Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope that you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. Welcome, Grape Roaders. I want to start today by telling you about a hero I met at the Napanee Bureau of Motor Vehicles. I did. He's amazing. But before I get to him, I need to give you some backstory. So in April of this year, uh, my dad passed away after many years of battling with cancer. And as you know, once someone passes away, they leave behind some belongings that you've got to figure out what to do with them. And my family is amazing. In the midst of this sort of tragedy that happened, my mom navigated it with excellence and beauty and grace and love, and it was great. And my sister, uh, same thing. Hey, have you heard about the stories where someone passes away and the families just argue about everything? It can get ugly. Well, that is not this situation at all. We looked at some of the things that we had to figure out, and uh, it was fine. And we got to this one item. It was my dad's luxury super sports car. You want to see a picture of it? It's this. It's a Hyundai Sonata. (laughs) It's like the most conservative car on earth, right? But that's what he drove, and uh, my mom did not need the car. She already had one. My sister didn't need the car, and so uh, it was up to us whether we wanted to take it, and I had a son, and we had to figure out another car, and so I was like, Mom, I, I think I can take it. I'll figure it out, and my dad just owed a little bit of money on it, so I was like, you know what? I'll pay it off. No problem. You know... Those words, no problem, (laughs) it was actually a problem. Because what I didn't know at that time is the car's loan and the registration were in my dad's name alone and not my mom and my dad. And so I had to figure out how to get that car paid off and in my name. And so I thought, this can't be that complex. And so I talked to a lawyer. I wasn't suing anybody, but I was just give me some advice. What do I have to do? And they gave me some great advice. Well, I had to start at the Albion Courthouse. Does anybody know where Albion is? It's over by the east part of Indiana. Anyway, so I go over there, and I talk to them, and I think I've, this is what you need. And essentially, they said, you got to wait 45 days. You don't have the right information. And, and I was like, okay, that's no problem. 45 days, that's fine. So get some more paperwork, this, that, and the other. Go to the Albion Courthouse again you don't have everything you need. Oh, okay. And so I'm a pretty patient guy. And so I figured that out. And finally we get the right paperwork and I go to the bank and do what I need to do there and that was fine. And so I'm like, okay, now the car's paid off. I can go to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles and in Mishawaka. Now, if you work at the Mishawaka BMV, I still love you. Because I'm going to have to go back and visit you. I harbor no ill feelings in the midst of this. But I go and they explain to me very quickly, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Evans, you don't have the right paperwork. Okay, no problem. So I go get the paperwork, go back again. This is four months of me dealing with multiple people and I still can't cross the finish line. And someone gave me the advice, well, why don't you go to a small town BMV? How many of you are from Napanee? Raise your hand. Or at Grape Road. Anybody? 
Napanee is like Mayberry. If you've never been, you should go. They have a post office, they have a beautiful coffee shop, and they have this little BMV. And so I t- go during the week, and I go to the Bureau of Motor Vehicles in Napanee. And it's just this little shop, two employees behind the counter, two customers being helped, no one else in the whole thing. I still have to take a number, which I thought was kind of funny. So I, I, I take a number, and I sit down, very peaceful. About three or four minutes later, my number is called. Yes, that's me. I go up, and I sit across from this nice young man, and I start explaining what's going on, and he says this, I'm sorry for your loss. That was the first person in four months that said that as I was dealing with this issue. And so I knew right then, I was like, we are going to get someplace. And across 15 minutes and a bunch of things that he typed on the screen and questions and suggestions, he got us across the finish line. This young guy who was compassionate and caring in 15 minutes did what it took other folks four months to not do. He was my hero. Now, I want you to think for a second. In your own life, do you have any storms where you could use the hero BMV guy just to show up? I'll give you another example. Uh, Last month, I deposited a check. You know how you can do that electronically now? You sign the back of it. You take a picture of the front, picture of the bank, and it goes magically to the bank, and they deposit the money. Anybody do that? Raise your hand. Audience interaction. Yes, some of you do this. It can actually be done. So I did this. We deposited it. We shredded the check. And everything was fine. No, it wasn't fine. Three weeks later, I get a letter in the mail that says, hey, there is no signature on the check. You know what I thought? I need the hero BMV guy to start working at my bank. (laughs) Right? Couldn't we use more hero BMV guys? So I want you to really, I want you to think of some storm, some issue that you're going on, that's going on in your life right now, where you could use a guy like the hero BMV guy. I'm going to give you a second. Do you have one? Well, guess what? He's not going to show up because he's still employed in Napanee. (laughs) Right? As much as we would love that guy everywhere to help us navigate the storms of life, he's, he's there. So guess what? We need someone, and you know where this is going, we need someone who can show up in every storm of life and be even better than the Napanee BMV guy. It's God. God comes as a hero all throughout Scripture in our lives and does amazing things. There's probably hundreds of accounts where God shows up as a hero and does great things. Here's just two of them. Many of you know these stories. Daniel. Daniel is a guy who loves God to the point that he gets in a little bit of trouble. The king sends him to a den of lions. Everybody's expecting him to be eaten alive. The king is so interested at what's happening, he goes the next morning and says, Daniel, are you okay? And here's what Daniel says. This is in Daniel 6. May the king live forever. My God sent this angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They've not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. God shows up in a hero way, sends an angel in the midst of Daniel in a lion's den. Here's another example. Many of you have heard this scripture. It's John 3, 16. 
but I want to add 17 on the end of it. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his, only, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 is this, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to, say it with me, save the world. God sent Jesus Christ to be the ultimate hero ever to your life because he loves you. There is no better hero than Jesus Christ, amen? God regularly throughout scripture comes and rescues us as a hero would. And I use that word hero for a really specific reason today. We're in a Christmas series right now. Uh, at the Christmas series, this is the logo. It's actually unwrapping Christmas. And the unwrapping part is around Isaiah 9-6. It's the prophet Isaiah, and he's foretelling the qualities of Jesus. And here's what it says in Isaiah 9-6. For to us, a child is born. It's Jesus. To us, a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Last week, Pastor Mark, our lead pastor, taught on Jesus as the wonderful counselor. It is a great message. You should go back and listen to it online if you haven't listened to it. A great message. Today, I'm going to focus on Jesus being a mighty God. He's also an everlasting father and prince of peace. But when you look at Jesus as a mighty God, if you look at the original language of mighty God, it's actually El Gabor. I'm not pronouncing it right because I should be spitting more. El Gabor, it's mighty hero or divine hero as reflecting the divine majesty. Jesus is the mighty hero of our lives. And I want to unpack that thought in just a bit of scripture in Mark chapter 4. That is, uh, this scripture is probably familiar to many of us. It's Jesus in a boat during a storm. And so I want you to grab your Bibles. If you have Bibles, go ahead and grab those. Mark chapter 4 is where I'm going to be. I'm not judging anyone with an electronic Bible. You can use your phone. Scripture will be up here. But I'm actually going to pause for people who want to use a paper Bible to get to Mark chapter 4. Mark, Oh, do you hear the pages turning? I'm sure at Grape Road there's tons of pages turning. I hear them. Do you hear that? I love that sound. Mark chapter 4. Paper Bible people, are we there? Yes, okay. Mark chapter 4, verse 35 says this. That day when evening came, he, this is Jesus, said to the disciples, let us go to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In that portion of scripture, I see Jesus doing some really mighty things, and I want to unpack two of them that I think will be helpful to our lives. But before we get there, will you pray with me? 
So God, it's our, it's our hope today that you speak to us. Isaiah outlined the qualities, sort of the titles of Jesus. And God, we want to hear from you today about Jesus being a mighty God, a hero. So you open our minds, open our hearts and our ears to hear your word uniquely for each of us. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. On the back of your program, a couple of fill-in-the-blanks that will help guide us through today. Here's what I see in this text. Jesus is mighty because, you can write this in, he's not surprised by the storm. Jesus is not surprised by the storm. If you look at verse 37, the verse says this, a furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, which is in the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. Now, I want to slow this scripture down and I want to look at it deeply to give context because there's some really important things going on in the midst of this. Jesus has been doing great, great ministry. He has been busy He's been out praying for people. He has been out healing people. He has spoken to small groups. He's walked for miles. He's spoken to large crowds. Like he's a busy guy. And it's now evening. He's human. If it was any human, we would probably be a little tired. So it's the end of the the day. And he tells the disciples, we need to go to the other side. Now the other side's about eight miles away across the Sea of Galilee, like it's not forever, right? It's eight miles away. And so they get into this boat. Now the boat isn't like boats today, obviously. The boat is an open boat. It's about 20, maybe 25 feet long, maybe seven, eight feet wide. And the disciples and Jesus get into the boat. There's other boats with them. Here's what we know about at least four of the disciples that are with him. Peter, Andrew, John, and James. They're fishermen. Which means this sea, likely this boat, would have been a familiar place. They know how to go out to sea and go to the other side. They've likely been in storms before. They know how to row through things. They know, like, this is familiar to them. And they get in the boat, and the text says that a storm comes upon them, and apparently it's a bad storm because the wind and the waves are getting the boat to the point at which they're yelling at Jesus, do you even care because the boat is swamped in this familiar boat on this familiar sea, they're swamped and they're worried and they're scared. And I want to pause for a second and make this story real for us. I don't know about you, but in my life, some of my greatest storms are familiar places. There are places in which I think I've got it all figured out. I've been here before. I've done this before. And yet, out of nowhere, it seems, a storm comes to the point at which I feel, and I've even used this language, I feel swamped right now. And that's what the disciples were yelling. And where do we find our hero, Jesus? He's taking a nap. I don't, know, I don't know about you, but when I think of heroes, I don't 
really get the picture of my hero taking a nap. When I watch movies about heroes, what I expect is them grabbing the oars and fighting through the storm in this great battle, and it's amazing. And our hero, Jesus, is sleeping. And when I think about this story deeply, here's what I see. You can write this in. Jesus is focused on the destination, not the storm. He's focused on the destination. Here's why I say that. At the beginning of this account, when he's standing on the shore, here's what he tells his disciples. Let us go over to the other side. Jesus has some place that he's going. We're going to go over there. It's Jesus. He knows what's coming. We're going over there. And he is at such peace because he knows where he's going. In the midst of a storm, he can sleep. But we can recount all the details of our storms, can't we? The ins, the outs, the thises, the thats. Sometimes we really get hung up on our storms. I want to share a story about a homeless individual by the name of Frank. Now, Frank I met probably three or four years ago at a homeless shelter in downtown South Bend where my wife and I uh, spent uh, quite a bit of time. And Frank was a unique homeless individual because he didn't drink, he wasn't on drugs, he just happened to have this really tragic story in his life occur, and he ended up homeless in downtown South Bend. And Frank, as I would interact with him, he really wouldn't complain, but he would tell me about the things in the day that tripped him up, about the storm here and there, or he would be helping some other homeless guy, and they had a storm, and each time, and we would pray, but the next time I saw him, he would do the same thing. He sort of detailed what was going on in his life by the storm that was going on in his life. And then one time down at the shelter, the city of South Bend came down and offered South Bend IDs to the homeless men. I don't know if you knew this was a thing, but you can actually get a South Bend identification card. This is what it looks like. It's an example. And so South Bend, the city of South Bend came down, we partnered with them, and they offered these identification cards. And about four out of the 30 or so men raised their hand and said, yeah, I'll try that. And they got, and Frank was one of them. And Frank went, signed, got all the paperwork. And a week later, Frank got his South Bend ID card. And for the rest of the season, every time I saw Frank, he would detail the storm that happened during the day. It's like nothing ever came of that ID card. And then I lost track of Frank for a year and a half. Didn't talk to him at all. And then fast forward to this July, I was doing a wedding in downtown South Bend. And I had to go to the Century Center to do some wedding stuff. And I walk in and I see someone sitting in the corner of the Century Center. It's Frank. I haven't seen him for a year and a half. So he stands up. He recognizes me. I recognize him. And we hug and we're like, hey, how's it going? What's, what's new in your life? What's new in your life? I said, Frank, where have you been? I haven't seen you. And he said, well, actually, I've got two jobs and I've got an apartment. Frank, you're off the streets? Yeah, I've, I'm doing great. I, I actually work at the Century Center, he said. It's one of my jobs. I'm like, Frank, you got to tell me. Like, what happened? And he said, remember that night 
that we got the South Bend ID cards. I was like, yeah, I remember that. He said, I got that, and a couple months later, it led to a discussion that led to this job, that led to another job, that led to an apartment. And when I look at that, I almost think, when I think of this story, that God wasn't interested in Frank's everyday storm, but in that moment, it's almost as though God lifted his head and said, there's another side, Frank. There's another side. Let's go to the other side. Let's stop focusing on the storm of your life, of your day. There's another side. Let's go over there. And he was obedient, and now he's not homeless anymore. So I want us to think, I'm even thinking of this question for myself. Is our focus, is our focus on the destination that God has for us, or is it on the storm? I really want you to think about that. Like, I'm guessing that there are people in the room that either on the way here today, you were already in an argument because something wasn't going right, or there was an argument this week, and it seems like a storm, right? Things are going on in your family dynamics, and the reality is God may see the storm, but that's not what he's interested in. He's interested in the destination of the legacy you're going to leave your kids Or it's finals season, so you're a student, and you you might be crying out to God, in the midst of the busy, in the midst of finals, God, where are you? And I wonder if God is looking at the destination of the job he's already got picked for you after you graduate. Or what about the Christmas season, which can be a financial drain on people? There's unrealistic expectations, there's presence, there's whatever, and it creates this financial burden that can create a storm. And I wonder if God, he sees that storm, but he's more interested than the destination of you treating your family and relatives well, and love doesn't cost anything. Here's what I know. Our Savior, Jesus, is way more interested in the destination that he has for you than the storm you're in today. Jesus is mighty because he's not surprised by the storm. Are you with me today? Are we good? All right. Second thing I see in this account is this. Jesus is mighty. You can write this in because he gets to the source of the issue. He gets to the source of the issue. So he's snoozing in the boat. The disciples, do you even care if we drown? Wake him up. Here's his response, verse 39. He says, he got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. I brought this up earlier, but what I expect the hero to do is grab the oars, steer out of the storm. Or I expect the hero to do some crazy thing with the water in the boat and get it out of the boat and they just barely make it to the other side. That's not what Jesus does. He goes to the heart of the issue. He goes to the storm itself and tells it to to be quiet. And it does. That's a powerful hero. This is what Jesus does time and time again. He doesn't deal with the little stuff. He goes right to the heart of the issue. Matthew 19. You can write it down if you want. There's no space to write it down, but if you want to read it later, Matthew 19. A rich guy, this is the Pastor Steve translation. Rich guy goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what do I have to do to get eternal life? 
There's something going on in this guy's life where he knows that he's not settled. He knows he needs something. And Jesus says, well, just follow the Ten Commandments. And the guy goes, I'm doing that. And Jesus gets immediately to the heart of the matter and says, sell everything. Sometimes when Jesus points out the heart of the matter, it's hard. But that's what he does. That's what the best hero does is he gets right to the source. John chapter 4, he sits with a woman at the well, at a well, and they're having this conversation. And within like a couple of interactions, he says, you know what, woman, you have had five husbands, and the guy that you have with now, uh, the guy that you're with now is not your husband. You got some relational yuck that you got to deal with. He gets right to the heart of the matter. And the great thing about this is this woman who was in the midst of sin goes back to her community and changes her community. It's powerful because he got right to the source of the issue. You can write this down. Jesus resolves the problem instead of treating symptoms. He sees the symptoms. Like, we talk about the symptoms. God, would you help this symptom and that symptom? But the reality is God is in the business of going to the root of your issue and resolving it. That's what he wants. When Frank was homeless, he talked about all the things that were symptoms of his homelessness. But at the core of it, there was this core thing. Frank, you got to get off the street. you got to see the other side. Let's deal with that root issue. And he finally did, and he's off the street. Jesus resolves the problem instead of dealing with the symptoms. And so here's a question. Are we letting God get to the source of the problem? Are we open enough and vulnerable enough to stop focusing on the symptoms and get to the hard stuff with God? I want to close with this thought. When we say yes to Jesus, we invite him into our boat. I'm going to say it to this side. When we say yes to Jesus, we now have invited him into our boat the best hero ever is in your boat, is beside you. So let's read this, Psalm 16, 8. I know the Lord is always with me. Look at this. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. While it might look, while Jesus is beside you, like he is sleeping or uninterested, here's the reality. Jesus has a plan for your life. It's not the storm, it's the other side, and he wants to get to the root of your issue so you can lift your head up and say, I'm going that way. I'm tired of the storm. I'm going that way. Let's go. That's what Jesus is interested in, and he's mighty enough to solve those issues and get you there. Jesus is mighty because he's not surprised by the storm, and he addresses the source of the issue. Why don't you stand? We're going to move into a time. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray that you were impacted by this message. God bless, and see you next time.